As as a as someone who's not an ally, who's just in the community, <laughs> I was fucking exhausted by Pride this year. Yeah. So all those poor people who had to stand around and be like, "Yes, I support this. I'm there," and I'm like, "I don't think I support this anymore. <laughs> like this has gotten out of control. It was such an unhinged Pride this year." But first, a word from our sponsors. Hotmovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with Hot Movies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHOR at checkout so they know who sent you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the man ape face fuckers and lady demon soul suckers. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Happy belated white colonialism day, everyone. I hope we all learn something new about the country in which we live in between your BBQs and your beer pongs and your bong rips and your patriotic orgies. Gosh, I hope I wasn't the only one who like went to a patriotic orgy and read an article. Hi. <laughs> uh, like, did you know that George Washington had slaves while he was president? Had slaves in Philadelphia while he was president? Kind of weird. It was a free state after all. Uh, even the, one of the slaves owned a judge ran away and he used his presidential powers to try to capture and recover her while in office. That just feels kind of weird, right? Feels like something we should all know about Georgie. I feel like I'd be less salty about it if the, if you just told me in the beginning, now it just feels like this dirty secret you hid from me. And like, you know, a third of the country is so attached to that image of Georgie at this point that you can't even tell them now as a rational adult. But hey, whatever, you know, uh, Billy, can you tell us about the orgy? What? Like you didn't go to one on Sunday? Am I, am I the only one who got asked to participate in a bukkake on Sunday afternoon? Uh, something that might be more relatable is I had a really nice date night, uh, after the play party on, on the nighttime for the fireworks. And I, this was like the first time I, in a long, long time, I feel like I truly nailed date night, you know, like she got here and we went up to the roof and I had already waiting for her, like 
the blanket and our Prosecco and some snackums. And I had some books I wanted to read some passages to her from because she's a total nerd and dorky person. And I've just had all these books sitting in my room for years waiting probably for her. <laughs> and it was technically a candle lit date, even though I, I resent that she called it a boy candle. Just because I bought a candle at Rite Aid doesn't make it any less of a candle, functionally speaking. But it was pretty cool, you know, because from my roof looking out, you can see the Macy's Day's fireworks. But because it's New York City, all over Brooklyn and Queens, people are popping off their own fireworks. And we can see fireworks are probably like 10 miles away. Uh, so, so although I can see Macy's in front of us, just we have a 360 degree view of way better firework presentations. It was awesome. You look to the right, there's fireworks more in Bushwick. You look to the left, fireworks in Bedside. Behind us is fireworks in Brownsville, you know, kind of diagonally far off. You're like, wow, that's got to be Corona Queens. I can't even point to that on a map, but they seem to be having a good time. You know, and then, you know, as, as the evening drew to a close, we went back inside and I like let her play with my butt for the first time. It was like a dope date night. Billy, did you also plan for the butt stuff too? You know, we won't say that I planned it, but you know, there were hopes and dreams. And, and I like to think that they came true. Um, she bent me over my desk. Well, if I remember more correctly, I think I bent myself over the desk and she took an opportunity. But, you know, it was great. So I hope you all had like a, a fairly slutty Independence Day weekend uh, while also self-educating yourself about honestly anything, please. <laughs> uh, thank you all for the kind comments, by the way, last week. Uh, you know, in the intro, we were talking about the body stuff. And holy shit, you know, it came up again. You know, a different lover of mine, she was over uh, over here over the weekend and she uh, she had made this comment she started like kind of poking my body a little bit and she poked like my kind of my midsection my my torso probably the most terrifying part of my body to me and she goes like wow you're so firm and i'm like what she's like yeah your body it's like firm and strong because like you know i'm like i'm thin but i'm kind of mushy and soft you're just ah it's so hot and I've never thought of my body as like firm. I, I, you know, I can sometimes think of my body as strong. It's like I, you know, I, I played sports every season for X number of years growing up as a kid. So it's like I, you know, I have like a generally um, loose athletic form. You know, it's like I look like I go to the gym five days a week six months ago. You know, it's like I look like I could turn it back on and get back to work. Uh, but I've never thought of myself as like firm. I don't have abs. I don't have like these chiseled, strong fucking, you know, muscles compared to, you know, other people I know. And yet this woman is, is like telling me how hot my body is unsolicited while she's got her hands on it. I'm like, fuck, she must be an idiot or I'm an idiot. Cause like she's got all the evidence she needs. She's got her hands on the evidence. She can see the evidence. She can smell the evidence. And she's still like, you are fucking hot with this firm clearly thick body and so then i kind of like took a, an opportunity to try to discover uh another sexy part of me and so i said oh if you think that's firm you know feel my thighs because like hey, look my thighs have never thought of as though of an attractive part of my body i've always viewed my thighs as an incredibly strong part of my body i you know when you have the perception of yourself of being a fat ass you think well my legs had to carry this fat ass around for so long so they must be mm really strong trunks and she grabs it and she's like holy shit 
Because my thighs are fucking firm. <laughs> it's like we're piecing together sexy parts of my body and I'm accepting them as sexy piece by piece. And I, I think we're slowly getting to a point where I just might be able to, in my mind, put together a generically hot guy person in my mind and uh, and embrace him. Um, Billy's feeling good. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope you're all finding new and healthy ways to feel sexy, right? Uh, before I get to this week's guest, James Tyson, uh, I want to read an interesting uh, with two emails, one's quick, and this one's more of the advice email that really stood out to me lately. Um, it comes from Jay. Jay writes to me, hi, Billy, big fan of your podcast. I'll be in NY and VA in August, straight 34-year-old Latin man and bi-curious. I would like to know, what do you suggest for me for having fun in New York? I'm looking for maybe sex parties or gang bangs and MMF sex with definitely M2M action. That's a male, male, female threesome. That's uh, M2M. That's boy, boy play. Basically, for those who are not into the briefs, uh, please let me know where I can go. I am athletic and hope to find people like me, not perfect body, but that I know I will feel comfortable. Don't entirely know what he means there, but I think what he's trying to say is like, I want people to be hot, even though I know I'm not what other people always consider as hot, but I want to feel comfortable not being surrounded by ugly people. I, that's just my interpretation of this guy. I might be wrong. He closes with, let me know anything you have in mind for my weekend vacation in New York City and Virginia. Or any other surrounding city. P.S. I joined ALP and it is only for old people! Exclamation points. Won't recommend to anybody. Best J. Uh, yeah, you know, this email had me conflicted because I initially had like a critical reaction. But I didn't want to be unfair to this dude because he's a dude. As y'all heard on episode 383, a woman asked me a similar question. And although sometimes it can feel a little more irky when a guy wants to obtain like sexual spaces or like wants to get laid more depending on how he does it we have to be we have to say that's chill because if we replace the dude's name with her name and just swap some pronouns all of a sudden we're going to say mm, that's empowerment and i just i'm not mm, you know things don't live in a vacuum but they there's got to be space for one to pursue that so i'm like am i being unfair so i actually went back to look at this other woman's question they wanted to achieve similar things having a group sex experience. But they're, they they asked me about it in different ways. So I just, I'm going to read hers again. Uh, I won't go into my whole response for her, but I'm going to read her message again and just see if you can sense some differences. Um, this woman, Kay, writes, Hi, I just found your podcast and I'm totally into it. I work nights, so it's my drive home new favorite question. How does one go about finding sex-positive, non-creepy, discreet sex parties? I am leery of some online platforms with signups, etc. Do you have any suggestions to find similar folks interested in similar things in smaller centers or nearby large cities? Asking for a friend in Ontario. And we'll come back to her in a moment, but just 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 note the tonal differences in their messages, right? But let, well, let's go back to his email. So, as you hear on the show, I talk a lot about Hacienda. Though they have public non-member events, their sex parties are closed off to members or for members. Uh, and since I don't know this guy, like I, I can't recommend him for their events. 
This policy helps in screening people that enter our community, and if someone becomes a problem, it reflects upon who referred to them. You know, it's not a sex club. It's a sex-positive community. There are sex clubs and swinger clubs anyone can Google and find without me sharing them with, you know, you, Jay. Um, Though I'm not sure which are open right now and in what capacities, to be honest. Uh, But there are certainly venues that have nights when single men may attend. I can't recommend any because I don't go to those types of places. They're not the types of parties I'm particularly interested in. Uh, Jay, you say you joined ALP. I'm not sure what that is. If you meant APG, well... Look, your mileage may vary, just like anything else. There are events on APG listed both in Virginia and in New York City. To say it's only for old people suggests that, quote-unquote, old people are not desirable play partners and that people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are old people. Because when I browse APG, I see a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Then you see some people in their 20s and some people in their 60s and beyond, right? That's kind of averaging out population. Uh, to a 20-year-old, you know, you and I, Jay, you're like, we're old people. We're in our 30s. What? Ooh, like, you're not on your parents' health insurance anymore. That's right. Like, remember, I remember bringing home when I was 19, I brought home a 27-year-old. And when she left, all three of my roommates stuck their head out of the other roommate's uh, uh, door frame, And they were like, bro, what are you doing? She's so old, man. She's like in her late 20s. So do keep in mind your attitude about others while seeking out group sex experiences that would welcome you, as if you are so much better and more desirable than these old people you're referring to. I know communities that will much faster play with an old people couple than you, regardless how in shape you are. Now, let's get to your question. You know, it's like, where does Billy send Jay for group sex? I, I, I don't. Like, I told the other woman. I'd encourage you. And so this is goes. I'm going to kind of repeat what my, what my recommendation to her was, which I would still repeat to this guy, Jay, but there's just a different, you know, there's a different thing going on here. Like I told her, I'd encourage Jay to start tapping into local communities like Hacienda in his region of the country, kink communities, poly communities, adult sex ed communities. They exist and they exist in almost every major city. You just have, and they also exist in like non major city areas. Uh, maybe not as much the adult sex ed communities, but like there are non monogamy, poly, and kink groups, uh, and factions in all sorts of rural regions as well. You know, it's like, it's not just the, uh, it's not just the coastal elites who have all the fun, but yet you just have to find them. Uh, and you also have to be the type of person they want to invite in. And, you know, Type of person does not just mean your looks, your abs, your dick size, your availability. It also has to do with your personality, your knowledge of sex positivity, your judginess, your understanding of consent, your friendliness, your hygiene. Some places may just look at your pics and stats and make a call on you. I just don't know much about those spaces because those are not the spaces I play at. But your email, dude, your email, it's kind of like a personal group sex seeking internet ad that you sent to me, though coming from a place of enthusiasm, I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm not sure what you expect me to do with your question. You'd be way better off posting on Reddit in a local subreddit, like uh, NYR4R, Dirty R4R, NYCR4R, Random Access, you know, the ones I've talked about a lot on the show. Um, or you could pay for memberships on like those swiping apps that they let you swipe in another city ahead of time to find playmates during your upcoming trip, right? Uh, You can also scroll through those same subreddits and you can thoughtfully respond to ads. 
seeking, seeking single men for group sex. They exist. They're, they're not bountiful, but they're there. You know, whether or not you even find group sex, who knows, but maybe you meet up with the right kind of people who have done that before. And maybe you behave admirably on a play date and maybe they invite you to something, your next visit. Group sex for the uninitiated or inexperienced or unconnected single male is not this instantly attained invitation. There tends to be some legwork involved. And, and most men interested in group sex, from what I can tell, are not interested in putting in that work to receive the group sex invites they want. It seems a bit because like I, I feel like we teach men growing up to put their heads down and do X, Y, and Z steps to obtain a goal, right? And I observe a lot of guys trying to get sex the same way they try to get a job promotion. But sex isn't commerce, you know, unless you're hiring a sex worker. You have to empathize with you, like on those X, Y, and Z steps, you have to empathize with human beings on the way to achieving your goal. So those are almost like secondary steps at every step along the way. Because if you're just doing the steps and forgetting about the people involved, you're going to look like an asshole because you are. You know, we don't teach dudes to empathize. We don't teach Americans to decenter themselves. We encourage in this society selfishness. We encourage getting your dream and we encourage doing the least amount of work to get the most you can. Uh, it was the 80 20 rule. Like do, do like the, the least amount of work to achieve the most amount of outcome that whatever it is, right? That's what we teach. And I think too many people have tried to like, Bring that into their sex and dating lives. I think, and you'll hear that language with a lot of people in the dating coach world or even the pickup world or whatever, right? It's like they're trying to optimize things. They're trying to make dating efficient. They're, they kind of almost take the humanity out of the dating part. Some people turn it into a numbers game. Some people put on these like absurd, arbitrary rules, whatever. But everyone's like kind of disconnecting from the humans involved in the process because they're so focused on getting what they want. So when I put out a gangbang ad with instructions and I stress the importance of reading the entire ad and following those instructions both at the beginning of the ad and sometimes in the title of the ad and I probably even remind them at the end of the ad. Um, I'm never surprised when scores of men answer the ad with, hey, that's it, just hey. Or, or they tell me that um, the post was too long when I ask them if they read the whole ad, it's not difficult to read an ad and craft five to 10 sentences that would make someone want to invite you to an orgy. That's not difficult. A lot of people just don't want to do it. Like you can be selfish. You can only want to show up and get your dick sucked and you can still act like a human fucking being in the process. I've done it. I've also not done it. And guess what? I've been shown to be kind of an asshole when I've not done that. Anyways, uh, you know, Jay, you did mention that an MMF threesome is something you would definitely want, right? So uh, there are opposite sex couples with bi or queer men that would love an attractive, respectful, bi-friendly male unicorn or stallion, as some people refer to the dudicorns with the dicks. Uh, put an ad out for a couple. You can do this on FetLife, you can do it on Reddit or, or wherever, um, and mention that you're open to male-male play. Because I feel like um, that though, that's a commodity that's in demand and that there's not a lot of supply of. There are plenty of straight identified dudes with dicks who want women with pussies to blow them. There's so many of that. But, um, but there's not as many who are open to male-male play. So answer And then you can also answer ads for the couples seeking single, guy, single bi guys. Because there are plenty of those, ad, those ads too. And if you really want to explore the bi curiosity, go ahead and answer ads and post some ads and swipe through gay apps for other guys. Group sex with other queer men should be 
mildly more attainable than being a single straight male stranger invited to a really dope sex positive play party space. The places that will last minute accept a single straight male stranger, likely with an admission fee, is not a really dope sex positive play party space. And so your mileage will heavily vary there. Okay. Now, the woman whose message I read before, that chick, noticed the difference in how she asked for what she wanted. He's asking me the like, where do I go? What club do I search for? What's the address and entry fee kind of a question? Like, that's the tone I get off this guy. I might be wrong. I might be reading him wrong. Jay might email me back and be like, dude, what the fuck? That is not at all what I meant. But just what I got off of him with the words he used, it felt like he just wanted me to point him to the place. And she's asking, what should I do to go find sex parties? Like inherent in her question is an acknowledgement that she's got to do some work. And even if this guy, Jay, thinks that's what he asked, asking it the way she did shows to the stranger on the Internet, me, Billy Presida, who does not know you, that you know that you have to do your own legwork. That assumption is not a given in the world we currently occupy. But hey. You want to just get a blowjob in a fun way? Drive out to Show World in West Babylon on Long Island. They're open to like, I don't know, 2, 3, 4 a.m. They have video booths with glory holes. Bring some cash for the machines and stick your dick in an anonymous hole. Someone will likely suck on it. And you'll have to do virtually no effort or legwork to experience that. Anyways, hey, uh, tap into some local communities first instead of seeking a temporary group sex experience in New York City. Though it's attainable, it's just not as likely, dude. Okay, and how do you find those local communities? Well, as I've said many times before, you'll have to sit down, keep your dick out of your hand, and do some research in your local kink poly and sex ed scenes. Best of luck to you. Wow. Uh, I'm just going to cleanse the palate with like a really nice compliment. I'm going to do a quick fan whore appreciation moment, and then I'm going to introduce our guest this week. How do we think of that? Yeah. This one comes in from the very kind Kiara. She writes, Billy, loving what you do. Start listening to you after your episode with Shameless Sex, and I've been referring your podcast to all the lovely lads and ladies who I think would benefit from it. You do the hustle good. So good you made me, uh, in loose terms, join your Patreon. I owe you this after all the listens. And I don't know if it's because I'm in Australia, but I could only find your Patreon through your link on your website. Searching did not work. All the loves, Kiera. Uh, yeah, and Kiera, thanks for the kind words. But as a side note, folks, yes, because my show is marked as adult content, you can't search me in the app if you're not already a patron. So the first time you pledge, you have to go to patreon.com slash man podcast then you can pledge then you can like download the patreon app and you'll more easily be able to find me or go to my content over there but the first time you have to do it you have to do it on desktop or via a mobile browser and go to the direct url it's annoying i know but i like to think I'm worth it. Hey. Uh, and you can send me an email too with your comments, your questions, your criticisms, any and all things uh, to manhorpod at gmail.com. All right. Speaking of Patreon, by the way, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Shout out right now to Shannon Marshall. Just, ooh, she's part of the uh, the IG team. We love all that heavy engagement. Thanks for all the hard eye emojis uh, and and a full year of membership. I hope you enjoy your free month uh, that you get for signing up for a whole year. 
You can kind of like point at a calendar, pick any month you want. We'll just call that the free month. You want November off? You got November off. I'm just that kind of creator. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Shannon, for supporting the podcast. Thanks for engaging on the socials. Thanks for doing you. Boo boo. And like I said before, you can become a member today at patreon.com slash manwhore podcast. Go directly to the URL, patreon.com slash manwhore podcast. And now for this week's guest, James Tyson. Uh, James is a super fucking funny comedian. I've seen them perform uh, around New York City, and they're just like, they're really, you're going to see this person on TV. I'm just letting you know. Uh, James, if you're listening, like, take the compliment. Uh, uh, James is going to be on the this thing or the that thing, the they thing. Going to be on all the things uh, because they're just really uh, talented. Check out their Tiki Talkies at James Tyson. We're going to do a quick ad read from our friends over at hotmovies.com and then get to the show. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by hotmovies.com. And, you know, hot movies, they are revolutionizing the way we hashtag pay for some of our porn. And they now have uh, a monthly membership subscription called Hot Movies Select Unlimited. It's for the uh, the heavy volume user. Uh, check this out. If, if you, let's say on average, are watching about a half hour of porn a day, because sometimes you have those two, three hour marathon days. Some days you're jerking it for eight minutes, whatever's clever. But like on average, it's a half hour a day. Uh, so that's that's 15 hours in a month. That's over 1200 minutes of porn, uh, porn viewing access, right? So let's just say you bought like a thousand minutes. You can buy 990 minutes that you can use on any of the movies on their platform. And that's like a hundred bucks, right? But if you get the select unlimited membership, that's $24.95 a month for unlimited access to over 34,000 of their full length movies. That's over 170,000 clips to choose from. With over 20 movies being added every single day, there's no limits, no restrictions, no extra costs. What a steal. What a deal. Look at all the money you're saving on that porn you're coming over and over and over again to. Come on now. And the way you sign up for Hot Movies Select the Limit is you go to hotmovies.com, right? And then you're going to go and you're going to throw in that man whore promo code. You're going to get some extra minutes on the side. And most importantly, it's going to let them know who sent you. And then you're just going to buy the biggest jar of coconut oil or lube that you prefer. And you're going to go to goddamn town on yourself because you deserve it. And you can feel good about it because you know you're not watching it, you know, on some shitty tube site where some random person in Estonia uploaded a bunch of like Sarah J's clips and causing Sarah to have to spend her entire day, uh, you know, having an assistant go just take down those pirated clips instead you can go come to sarah j on hotmovies.com using your select unlimited membership that's what's up that's the way to be this is the way folks hotmovies.com promo code man now let's get to the show what Never. is alone? Never what is, is alone. good? What is comedy? <laughs> All the questions that this brings up. <laughs> I don't know anymore moving forward. Is it this? Is, is it, it? Is it a blog? Is I this feel, stand up? I think TikToks are comedy. I feel like you figured that one out. With my TikTok, I feel like I started it at a really lucky time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think April of 2020. Well, to back up a second. In March of 2020, I had like 
$1,000 worth of stand-up gigs for the first time in my life. And I was going to do like an hour at Caveat uh, in the Lower East Side on my birthday, April 6th, 2020. Mm. And in, you know, like everybody, I lost all of that. But it was, it, I had just gotten this momentum and had all this material and it was all gone. So my motivation for getting on TikTok was I was sitting on like my hour set and had all these jokes and wanted to just do them. And then plus I had um, a lot of like tapes from the previous like year or two of stand up sets and stuff like that. Um, and uh, we've been trapped inside. So I just I went on right at a time when I think everyone was really, really, really hungry for content yeah. um, especially if you had any live content because there was no new live content yeah. being made and so i think it was a stand-up clip and then a couple more and then um it was real and i honestly i don't even have that big of a following still i i'm only at like fifty thousand or something which is like <laughs> great but that's not it works differently than on instagram TikTok, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. On tiktok fifty thousand is like nothing <laughs> it's not i wouldn't say it's no. i would say it's the equivalent of like I think probably like five to 10,000 Instagram followers, which is like not nothing, but it's not like. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't change your life. It's not monetized. Like it is a great starting point. I am happy about, but um, that's, that's how that happened. When you do. So uh, I'm here with, with comedian James Tyson. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> hello, hello to you too. When you do stand up, like, and you explain, I've seen you do stand up and do like non-binary bits, right? That kind of explain, <laughs> explain it all um, so that you can do the other jokes moving forward. What was it like to form that material? Because like I have one like they them pronouns joke that I still sometimes get, you know, falls on deaf ears in Indiana. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, did y'all not watch CNN? Okay, am I OK? It's like these people don't read bustle. Uh, so yeah. therefore, but so, so so I can't imagine having to to have to integrate that into a stand up set. Um, well, you know, none of us have to do any of this. So there is that. <laughs> we could all quit tomorrow. Um, and we probably should. Uh, but, you know, all of that is still so in flux. I honestly, I still feel very much like I am figuring out my flow and what I want to do long term. Right now, I'm at a place where I feel like I've synthesized that hour that I had last year mm -hmm. to like, the strongest 15 I've ever had. So that's kind of how it happened is that I, I had a bunch of material and as I feel like some of it either expired or aged out through certain elements of the pandemic or I aged out of it right now, I feel like this is just kind of what I'm left with. And when I go on stage, um, you know, in a dress and lipstick, I feel still still like there's only so far into that set I can get before I have to acknowledge it in some form or fashion. Um, I don't do that in every room, but you saw me in a room where I felt like it was mostly cis people, mostly straight-ish. Like, it didn't feel like, it wasn't like a, a pride show, honey, right. where everyone's trans and everyone knows and... um. I, so I, I also just switch it up um, quite a bit. I've been trying lately to get as far into the set as I can without having to talk about any identity yeah. stuff. Um, but it depends on who's in the audience and what kind of... Like yesterday, I was at a Pride show and um, it was it was, it was was Firestarter at Eastville hosted by Alex Kim and um, Divya 
Oh, I'm going to butcher their last name. Can I pause and take that again? Sure. <laughs> like last night. Take from the top. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> last night I was on a, a last line. Night. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you think I'm cutting any of this. No, this cut all of it. No, <laughs> that's funny. Her name is Divya Gunasekaran. Uh, they're both very funny. Anyway, I was on their pride show last night. Which was super gay, and the audience was super gay, but even the, like, one old white dude in the middle of the room who I could see reacting to everything and just disassociating the whole time, I was like, I need to at least explain it to him and make that the joke. Um, and But was, was this, like, a queer dude? A queer older dude? No. No? Okay. No, no, no. It was the... I think, I think, I think one in that family, I think there was, like, one lesbian or queer daughter who wanted to go to this Pride show and so brought her very straight family because when I asked them about it, she said, they're here supporting me. <laughs> um, that's the and She wasn't not- performing. Yeah. Was <laughs> so um, I think that was the story there. I was driving. I didn't get to uh, go into Pride, but I drove home like after, like in the nighttime of Sunday. Uh, I was in Philly, so I'm, I'm driving through Manhattan and I'm Ugh. seeing like, like these were clearly like the straight dad dressed like straight dad but with like was clearly the very just very out and proud daughter Aww, and he's just yeah. trying to be like a good dad and he's like i don't care about yep the leather dad they, they're gonna do what they do to each other um are you do you feel firmed daughter cool. are we getting are you ready for college <laughs> out of all the years of pride i've never felt more like empathy for those the the allies because as as a as someone who's not an ally who's just in the community (laughs) i was fucking exhausted by pride this year so all those poor people who had to stand around and be like yes i support this i'm there and i'm like i don't think i support this anymore (laughs) like this has gotten out of control it was such an unhinged pride this year why is that I think every, you know, we've all been in stuck inside for a year and a half, and we didn't get to do Pride last year in the city. I, I can see this waiting tables. I feel this uh, just anecdotally from the energy at a lot of shows. Like, people are not just going out. They're going out and being, there's such a high amount of pressure to have fun because it's been so long since we've had any fun. Uh, and... And a lot of pain that people don't know what to do with it. And so they're pouring alcohol on it or they're, you know, trying to fill every hole. And I love filling every hole, but it doesn't make the pain go away. And what I feel like I experienced this year walking around sober for pride because I had a I'm sober anyway. but I had a show in the West Village off the West Fourth Stop where pride like where the purge happens, you know. It's like the ground zero for pride. It, it is. It absolutely is. It is a war zone. It's and where the rubble is. It's where, <laughs> Yes. It's also where the, like, two feet of, like, pure rainbow garbage was the next day. Um, but it was it was just a lot. It, people are trying to make up for lost time. And there's, like I said, it's just, there's a lot of pain in the air. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like you need to make up for lost time in some way? Um, You know, I... I there's a lot of privilege that let me take a lot of therapy over the uh, pandemic and I will acknowledge that before I go on this rant but no not really I lost a lot of gigs I lost a lot of like what we all collectively lost you know which was time um yes but in terms of like partying or like making up for like 
I, no, I went into trauma therapy. I used the unemployment to like just to chill and center and look inside and try to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some people should have done the same thing. <laughs> I think maybe if you can look into trauma therapy is my takeaway from this year's pride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the, another privilege that I think, and correct me if I have the timeline wrong, but another privilege we both had for at least a good chunk of pandemic was we both had partners that we were with and like we didn't have to be literally alone if we took it super seriously or fi- or do that whole like, ooh, measuring out like, am I going to go date in 12 degree weather outside um, situation? Yeah, I do have a lot of empathy for those people. Yeah. Uh, I will say I did have a, I, I have a partner. I'm still yeah, with yeah. my partner. Um, but I just didn't know if you all met during or before. Or whatever, no, we so met like, um, about a year before, actually. Right. So uh, I will say uh, it is its own form of punishment having a relationship especially during pandemic um you survived it i didn't we oh you did you didn't we we broke up up in january (laughs) of 2021 we broke up in january of this year and she actually dumped her other boyfriend that she was living with back in august so like by the end of it uh everyone had broken up everyone was (laughs) broke great 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 was it uh uh mutual or was it uh i instigated it but it was amicable got it like i think she was waiting for me to do it but yeah no it was but but we and my theory is we probably would broken up at some point in 2020 had pandemic not happened but we went to survivalist mode and we still care about each other so we were we went to the being there for each other mode which is good it's nice that we got to have that with each other um for for such a large part of everything but but you you and your your boo got to survive all of this uh did you learn anything new about each other well we didn't have sex for like the entire time really yeah i think that's one giant misconception that people might have about like well you got to have sex nope nope uh no i mean we were very uh, pandemic was extremely and i mean this in the literal sense of the word triggering i mean literally by three months in my body was shutting down would not let me do any of the like just my whatever life I had been able to build within working at home or whatever I couldn't sustain even that because I mean for me stand-up had become such a coping mechanism until March of 2020 and uh it was all you know all of my coping mechanisms were ripped away so I I personally went back we me and I think my partner and I both did if I can speak for them um on this they're not here um it was like a computer running old software, like just old demons, old uh, shame points around everything, but including sex. Um, like what? What kind of shame points? I mean, just in terms of like queer sex in general, I find that I'm still carrying around at 34, having come out of the closet at 15, a ton of shame around just the baseline attraction to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, still to this day. And uh, I think maybe it, again, progress was made. And then when I had to sit inside and do nothing uh, for months, uh, progress was lost. So we both, I mean, we went to couples counseling and we're a lot better now. We've really made it through some dark ass times, but uh, no, it was not, it was not having a partner and staying with that partner was not like a, we did it, Joe. It was a holy 
shit. We what? almost didn't do that, Joe. <laughs> yeah, libido's fucking tank. Like, I mean, I, I think the first five days was a little bit fuck festy. And then after that, once I started seeing like the videos of like, oh, look at this Nashville warehouse party, not caring. And I was like, ooh, this is, you know, it made me not, I was like, I don't want to, I don't think I jerked off for the first three weeks of COVID. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It was just like, I was just like not independently horny. I, yeah, I mean, that was a lot of it for me. I, a lot of it became very compartmentalized. Like I got really into, and my partner and I, I will say too, both have, I think a lot of queer people have this, very compartmentalized libidos. I think a lot of people have this, but um, all of our sexual urges had to be like in either a literal closet or a metaphorical yeah. closet for a very long time. And it's really hard to unpack that stuff. And so... Uh, when two people have that, that same kind of baggage, we both um, will, uh, oh, what did our therapist call it? Avoidance, <laughs> avoidance tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we both will go, you know, months without acknowledging the fact that we haven't had any sexual connection if we don't kind of check on ourselves to not, um, you know, keep all of our sexual urges like isolated to masturbation or camming at home or whatever it is. It was... Um- and like, was there a lot of talks when you when did you all finally acknowledge to each other? Hey, we haven't been having sex. Um, it was a long conversation. There's yeah. also so many other factors in our relationship. I will say uh, my partner is trans and has started transitioning. Like mm-hmm. actually, uh, she started estrogen patches uh, maybe like a year and a half ago now and mm-hmm. started injections about two months ago or three months ago. And uh, so separate from anything going on with us or our baggage or whatever, this person has estrogen in their body and their sexual energy is completely changing. Like we're now far enough in that um, it doesn't feel so like in a cocoon zygote stage. But um, you know, when you're getting those injections, you're literally your testosterone is decreasing. Your libido is decreasing. Um, You can actually, I mean, some people get, their own form of horny or like a new form of horny and like your entire relationship to sex sort of changes. Uh, And then for my part, um, I had a lot of, I already have shame issues about being attracted to men, Mm. right? I, we're in an open relationship, but I found that the more that she transitioned and I'm still attracted to my partner, there's still a strong sexual spark, but I'm, I'm still having, I'm attracted to men as well and maybe primarily in terms of like, I know what to do. I know I've been jerking off to that for years. It is not a mystery to me how to like navigate like a man's body and also my attraction to a man's body. Right. And that doesn't make me transphobic. That doesn't make, but even just being able to say that in a, a relationship with my trans partner, it, that took me forever. You're navigating because, a new situation. Yes. And also I'm non-binary she also this is the first relationship for both of us i was about to say you both need to have like a phd in gender studies i feel like to date each other it's like i mean really yeah i mean or just like an awareness at the very least it took us i think like a long time to even acknowledge and understand what it might mean that like oh this is the first time that either of us is dating and sleeping with someone who is not a man Mm mm-hmm um, and it's just, it's new. It's very different. Also, every uh, relationship, like, survey and psychologist and, and scientist says that apparently around two years is when whatever original spark you had as a couple 
will d- disappear mm-hmm. and you have to build Create like this other sustainable thing that's not that initial like we want to fuck spark yeah that's why i say introduce anal like two years in so you have something new and exciting you know well for straight yeah if you hold off on that that'll yeah (laughs) i'm just like when do i offer her my butt i don't know this seems too early (laughs) Uh, i've had to ask the same question with the same pronouns (laughs) oh fantastic (laughs) it's uh you know how how much does do the the your gender identity and the new the change in gender identity like is is that is that is the relationship transitioning well, do you think? Are are there roadblocks you you ran into and then got past? Are there ones you're still dealing with? Um, I think it's like anything. Like any, you know, an individual will always have the demons that they have. Like mm-hmm. I'm never going to lose my demons. I'm going to, as I get older, I've made maybe other noises in my head to listen to other voices other things to that i know to pay attention to those and not let the demons have so much power right mm-hmm. that's just as an individual i think all any of us can really do and i think it's the same for relationships so yeah no there are still blocks but we have uh many 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 more tools now i think after a year of because She's also in her trauma therapy, I'm in my sure. trauma therapy, and then we've been in couples counseling. And we're both in a version of sobriety as well. Like, I don't drink alcohol, and she's been clean from meth for, like, three or four years. Wow. So, it's, we're, you know, I hate talking about this, or I, I feel, I love talking about it. Who am I kidding? <laughs> I feel vulnerable talking about it, uh, because... As I'm saying this, I'm like, God, I'm 34. And I, it is still, it feels like baby steps, but it is baby steps. Like, I think a big part of it is us uh, learning new tools to navigate these things that keep coming up because they don't go away. Yeah. Well, what, in any relationship, by the absolutely. way, none of this is new for me in relationships. Yeah. Well, what's like, what's a tool that's been incredibly helpful um, that you didn't have before lockdown, before trauma therapy? Uh, oh, so many things. Um, I'm really, uh, you know, relationships have um, bids for attention. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but the, and every relationship has this, like whether it's romantic or not, where, you know, it's like you're in a car, right? And whoever you're with says, oh, look at that tree or, oh, you know, well, look at that weird billboard. And it's not, they don't, you don't, they're not looking for you to like, it's not a big deal, but the person does need you to just be like, oh, yeah. And it's a bit for attention, right? Yeah. It's just simple, like, oh, look at that thing. Not even relationships. Cool. You'll be at a pizza shop and the guy next to you decides to say a thing because, like, I know you want me to respond because you're trying to connect with a human in a moment because right. you're alone in the crowd of New York City at Joe's Pizza. And so you want me to acknowledge it, the thing you saw. So you're bonded for a fucking mo- I get, yeah, right. I get that. But right. gosh, do I find it annoying. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. When I, first of all, bid for attention, all I called them for like the first six months of our relationship was what? <laughs> um, like I would actually respond better if you said, hi, can you look at me for a moment? Like, I would too. I would yeah. love to do that. And it's, but that's not how people work. And I, and also that's not how I work. So that's the mm. other thing is I'm a huge hypocrite because I have a million bits for attention <laughs> a, a million times a day. But anytime she wants to be like, oh, did you see that? Why? What? What do you want? Like, so a big tool was just like, don't be an asshole. Um, but no, honestly, the best tool I think when we start getting into like, oh, are we about to have a fight territory? Is again, it's such baby steps, but repeating back to the other person what they've said 
before I respond and and to have this like agreement between the two of us that like this is how we are now in a we are repeating back to each other. Mode. We're going to share facts because if you and disagree feelings. with if you disagree with what I'm saying, you just said, then we'll have to handle that. Tra- you know what I mean? It's more about training before I respond. I'm going to make sure I understood what you just said. Oh, OK. So like if you say, you know, I feel X, Y, Z about, you know, the way you spoke to me today before I say, well, but I was just I have to take the moment to say you feel X, Y, Z about the way that I spoke to you today. And if I get it wrong, then they say, well, no, that's not what I said. I said, I feel this, this, this. Okay, you feel this, this, this. Right. Okay. so I feel. And uh, it's almost it's almost like a waiting period to buy a gun. Like it's really it just <laughs> calms everything down and it makes sure because what we'll both do and what I've seen a lot of couples do, actually, because uh, first of all, I'm a child of divorce. Second of all, all my straight friends are in miserable couples sure. <laughs> um, so, or, you know, couples that fight every now and then. And um, uh, it forces your brain to like make sure you heard what the person is saying before your brain starts writing a story about what the person has said. Mm-hmm. And all of our fights have been when one of us has said something and then the other person runs with whatever story it is that about what I've just said. However they believe they've translated it. What they meant. Without confirming it, yes. that this is actually what just happened. Yes. Yeah. That's wild. It's the it's so simple and it's the most helpful tool in the world. I love that. The communication ones uh, help just so much where you go like, how did you function without them? There's something called the Triforce of Communication that this show called Multiamory came up with, which I'm just like, uh, how did a podcast come up with the, this tool that like I don't understand how it's not universally taught? It's it's I use it most of the time when I'm in like their message boards because that's where I just happen to see it mostly. It's you know you'll start a post with T1 or T2 or T3 or whatever, and then you say the stuff you're saying. Because you're sharing what kind of response you're looking for. So tr- I, I might be mixing up one or two, but they're basically like one of them is I just need someone to tell me like, this, yeah, that sounds really tough. Like I need someone like kind of like emotionally validate. It doesn't matter what's really being said. You're just like validating the emotions happening. Yep. There's another one that's like you more like relating to it. Like I felt that way when this or here's some, you know, oh, the, it, it's saying like you're not alone in this whatever struggle. Um, um, uh, me and my husband fought about blank. Oh, we fought about blank too, something like that. And the third one is the one that, oh, gosh, do I need to be told you don't need this one? And I have to catch myself often saying, unless they ask for this, shut your fucking mouth, Billy, or be more emp- or turn the empathy brain back on. But T3 would be like looking for advice. Oh, How many times yep. do you do you either the receive or give mm-hmm. advice after hearing something? And maybe they just needed to be get a hug and say, like, it's going to be OK. Almost never is anyone looking for advice. And yeah. that's a, such a hard lesson for me as well. And especially in I am so happy you said that, because that is also the biggest my biggest, I think, piece of shit attitude or or behavior that just is not helpful when someone it's like you're saying, I just need you to tell me that sounds hard. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to tell me how I need to go to dance classes so that I can get better at dancing so that the next time I have, that's not what I'm saying. I just need you to say that sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even, even in non-romantic stuff, just like, you know, you're telling a friend about a thing and they just start throwing ideas at you. 
And then it's like, well, I just, can you just, yeah, can you just say something? That's not where I'm at. Or some people do need the advice. And then if I'm doing too much of the empathy thing and they're like, okay, but can you actually give me some suggestions? I'm like, oh, great. Awesome. I had an entire notebook of ideas for you ready. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like that as well. It's like, once they ask, I've got, I'll have the notebook. It'll be my moment. Yeah. Um, but no. tools like that are so just so incredibly helpful. Just what you just shared made me go, oh, that's a, I got to remember that one. It's it's the best. And, and and also it's not just about romantic relationships. I really am trying to think about how I engage with people in general, because if there's anything I've learned from, you know, this relationship, which is now uh, two and a half years in um People just want to be heard sometimes. And it doesn't always matter that you're right. And that's really hard for me because I'm right so often. Oh my gosh, uh, me too. Yeah, it's Hi, such a burden. Yeah, um, <laughs> I use that word too. It's the burden of being right. <laughs> yeah, that's it's hard. Like that. Oh gosh. Um, Glad to meet someone else like me. But, but it's not, but it's so, and it. I think this really applies. You know, I'm obviously a progressive, queer, you know, tax the fuck out of rich people. DSA, like I'm not in the DSA, but you're I, DSA curious. I'm DSA curious. I just want to be able to vote in the New York primaries mainly. But I used to be working families party. I say all of that to say, like I also have family in Texas, and I see just the communication divide between like what I see happening in New York, which is often a lot of liberals fighting amongst each other about things that back home. They don't fucking care. We're all the same to them and we're all ruining the country to them, right? And meanwhile, we feel the same way about them. And I, it's, I see so many people shut down things that like they would believe in because they got yelled at, because they didn't feel heard and they're wrong. They are, I, they are spiritually, intellectually, (laughs) politically wrong. The policies they support are fucking evil. The like, but it. How often does it happen that you've just you totally everyone leaves with no minds changed? Yeah. And I don't know, especially in Texas right now, it feels very just like anger and violence in the air at every event. My my mom is is reporting back to me, and yes, we all have anxiety disorders in my family, so <laughs> there is that lens. But it's just still very. There's still so much Trump anger in like where my family is and then after a day like yesterday with pride i'm there we are not okay on our end either like we we need to examine what's going on for us there is something driving a level of unhinged uh, across the country so i don't know i just think i'm it's not just helpful for romantic relationships this idea of like i hear what you're saying even though it is the most irrational piece of shit opinion I've ever fucking heard in my entire life, I hear it uh, without... If you don't say that last part, you can get the person to hear the next thing you want to say. I, I, and I don't think I have... The, I'm not sitting here being like, you know, if we all just repeated back to each other, we would fix this country. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that, but I do think it's like what you're saying with like the T1, T2, T3. I think yelling at someone about how wrong they are is the giving advice of political discourse, right? Mm. It totally turns the person off. It doesn't... They're not going to take it. 
it right if you give yeah. advice to someone who's in like this state of like they're not looking to fix it they're not gonna fucking listen to you if yeah. anything they're gonna be mad that you tried to give them advice and then try, i don't know and I, then double down harder and, and they then dig double down in harder. harder at the same time there are some pretty fucking exhausting people uh who are not just like having a stupid opinion but expressing it in a way that is like super disgusting so i'm definitely also not saying like when someone's like attacking you to you need to be there's a difference between disgusting and just inaccurate right or just like like i think about jk rowling for instance is i think the general opinion around trans women in bathrooms is like really ignorant it is really driven by like a lot of really disgusting opinions about trans people and fears about trans people that have no real bearing in the reality of what it is to it's be not a thing that's literally ever happened it's not whether or not it's ever happened mm. in the history because it's like the same thing when like i when it comes to like progressives and liberals right it is not hard to find a dumb progressive right sure. on twitter and pull that twitter off of uh, that tweet off of Twitter and put it on Fox News and be like, look how dumb these progressives are, right? They do it all the time. It is not hard to find an individual example <laughs> of like whatever it is that you're talking about. It's not hard to find an example of women being attacked in bathrooms. Right, right? but they're worried about like me pretending to be trans right. just to do the attack and then come out and take the wig off and be like, yeah, now whatever. Exactly. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist because like it does exist that's a crazy person who is looking to like rape and murder you and that's illegal right if i want to if i want to rape and murder someone in the bathroom i'm not gonna it's not like i think the wig is the thing stopping me right it's like or if it's just you're talking about the like exception to the exception to the except like yes there are crazy fucking people that is not the conversation we're happening yeah that we're so how do you have those conversations when you're back home in texas well but then or do you just not have them the other half of this then is is that women do get attacked, right? Yeah. The thing that they're there there's so much tra- unchecked trauma in in that the conversation around that issue and I I don't know. As I talk about this, I don't I don't have the solution. Like when you go home, do you try to enforce like your pronouns with people or do you let things slide maybe more in Texas than than out here? Absolutely my partner's pronouns, 100%, because she is she, and I am, like, he, they, so if someone says he, I'm not, I just, I don't care. Can you explain a little bit about, like, the he, because I think a lot of people who mean well see it, I know I do, where you'll see someone's, like, pronouns on Twitter, and it'll, you know, I think a lot of people start, there are people adjusting to they, them, and now they're seeing, like, she, they, he, they, and then they're like, oh, gosh, you threw me in for a loop. I think it's, uh, for me, it's more just, like, interchangeable. Uh, I don't really care. I think, um... The conversation around pronouns um, is it, it just depends on kind of the individual. Sure. I, I hate to say that because I I want there to be like very easy uh, f- to follow rules that that make sure. allies <laughs> able to be allies on just like to just do it without having to think. Um, and the, it just it's so different for everybody. Yeah. I know for me, I don't personally care if you interchange them. Um, there might come a point where I feel more strongly about that, but mm-hmm. that's not to say that the people who do feel strongly about it, I believe them that it, it truly sends their brain into a state of chaos and yeah. and upset on a regular to be misgendered on a regular basis. So it's just I think the the okay. um, individual. Uh, I do <laughs> want to add one t- 
tie up to the messiness of the J.K. Rowling thing I was just <laughs> saying because I think the point I'm trying to make is I agree it's a disgusting attitude and it comes from a place of trauma, but these TERFs are working out their trauma on the trans community and it's not fair. Mm. That doesn't change the fact that like I can see the fucking trauma in the conversation on their end and for our mm. side, it does not help to go on Twitter and tell those people to fucking kill themselves. Mm. It doesn't help. It, if anything, it makes it worse because I, I, again, I see that their behavior is disgusting. They need to stop their behavior. It does not help to completely ignore the fact that like it comes from a place of trauma, even as they're weaponizing that trauma. It does not help to be like, well, fuck it anyway. Fuck your trauma and fuck you. Go kill yourself. And I just see so much of that right now. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of her people. On all sides. Yes. On all sides. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you and the partner feel, feel like, like a pride of, of like lasting and not breaking up during the pandemic? Uh, Is there a sense of like, babe, we did it. I don't. No, no, (laughs) because it was too hard. It was too, it's like, um, I mean, it's been rewarding and I love my partner very much, but it's, oh God, I just don't have a quality judgment about it. I think that's what I'm trying to say, because I think um, if you left your partner or stayed with your partner, as long as you did what was like authentic to what you needed to do Mm -hmm. to like treat yourself and others well, then that's the, the victory. Um, and that I think that's kind of how I think about it. Okay. Well, another thing that like we had to do in the beginning, I mean, you know, to one degree or another was like non-monogamous people had to have these additional conversations of like, so you and your partner are non-monogamous. I, I assume there was a level of tightening things up when everything broke down and mm-hmm. that there might be a, a loosening of that and a, an exploration of other people again. How's all that been going for you? I basically didn't have sex with anybody for a year and a half because my partner and I weren't really having sex and Mm -hmm. we closed the relationship. Um, uh, It's hard to reopen. I I feel very personally kind of awkward navigating um, new people Mm -hmm. in general. Uh, So at the same time, I'm like viciously horny like i need (laughs) to get fucked i need someone to fuck me and um and and my partner and i are having os uh start tapping it into the mic uh i am james tyson on instagram my dms are open um but and my partner and i are having more sex now we've done we did like a sex workshop and we're in a much better place but i also need to have sex with a man i need Mm. a man to put his dumb man body on top of mine and just pound away with his stupid like lack of intelligence i need a (laughs) dumb like animal to just fuck me and i know this i know this i know i need it and it's still been hard to get past this for me shame hurdle or just not even shame but like social anxiety barrier of like Right. Other people, uh, there's a before and an after. How do I talk to them? Um, like I had one hookup who was, I went through, you know, the old, uh, old texts and stuff of like, all right, what's surefire? And, um, (laughs) I just, uh, 
you can never go back. I just uh, like it was a mistake. This sounds like me like uh, looking at the waiver wire during fantasy football season, and like I need a wide receiver. Who who can I bring? It who has been reliable, but maybe not lately. Let's bring them back. And you know what? They're always a dud and give you three points. <laughs> but like I know that feeling of just going back. It's like who could I maybe rely? Larry Fitzgerald once was reliable. Okay, I'm gonna go into a rabbit hole that no one listening. Uh, understands but yeah i'm glad I that's could. exactly what it's like it was like it to in gay terms it was like Lindsay lohan coming back to acting to do that elizabeth taylor made for tv movie it's like yo we used to like her this doesn't work anymore uh and that's what it was like it was like oh, i remember having successful sex with him once like six years ago and then he came over and it was just for the reason i never texted that guy Aww. back why? why why was he not good oh he was <laughs> I think he's just a Republican, um, <laughs> to be honest. He's fine. He's just is a he seems like is a Republican a synonym for bad in bed. Is that how you use um, it? No. Well, I don't know. Oh, uh, he was so Republican. Oh my god, you vote for Trump? No, 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 no. Just you know, he's bad in bed. No. <laughs> um, no, he uh, he just seems like he doesn't seem very happy in New York. Sure, like he's moving to Florida specifically because quote uh, New York was too uptight about COVID. Like okay, we had like a hundred thousand people die. Like, but okay, sure, go have fun in Florida. I think you're just a Republican. That's fine. Just go. Um, yeah. Did did your partner used to provide that kind of energy that you were before in a previous sexual dynamic of like I just need to feel like masculinity on me? When we first met, my partner identified more as like he they. Okay. And hadn't fully, I think, embraced who she was. Mm. And so, yes, but it was very kind of role-playing, which mm. I love role-play, but that's not quite the same as um, what I'm talking about. Where You're just like, like, I want you to pretend to be my coach. Right, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just that at the end of the day, my partner has never been a man. Like, sure. she is... she, And so, it... Um, we did for a minute, but it was like a kind of like a, I mean, I could try this. You know, when you're with someone new, I think you start trying on like, is this who I am now? And I peed on someone last week. I was just like, is this me? I don't know. Let's try it. You know what? It is now. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You try things for someone else, especially if you're like into them and you know. Right. yeah. Yeah. And I think she keyed into that fact that I am like, definitely like playing like a submissive boy and the older i get to at the at 34 the fact that i can still you know people still want to cast me as boy i'll take i'll take the role (laughs) as long as they'll give it to me um so but not definitely not really much anymore um because there's sort of an emotional cost i think i think um well, I wouldn't imagine her to put on that now. I was just wondering if maybe in pre-transition she presented in a way that maybe fed that. Um, but it sounds like not. And and but it's also interesting to me like how the sexual relationship and dynamic transitions as people within a relationship transition or discover themselves. Like I used to date someone who was genderqueer, came out as that during the relationship, previously thought she was just more of a like a lesbian that felt weird things around me. You know, we're now it's like, hey, could you call me daddy? But can we do some more? You know, and so, okay, we're throwing, we're peppering in some handsomes in between the sexies and beautifuls, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. So, so a dynamic change in that relationship, in the sexual part of that relationship. So I was curious if, like, if there was any of that at play. I think so. A lot of it, 
I'm realizing how much of sex is taking place in my own head. Mm-hmm. Like so much of of interacting with another person in general, I guess, is about what's going on and the story of how I am understanding it to be going. Yeah. Right. Um, beyond what's actually happening. And gender is largely, I think, in my head as yeah. a as a like there aren't there are physical changes to my partner like she has definitely gone from having like kind of pecs to having like about a b cup Mm -hmm. right um but you know her she still has um the penis and she's still the top um so there are changes but so much of it is like not about the actual physical changes so much of it is my her understanding of herself has changed is so much clearer like she is a woman Mm. there's also more estrogen in the room like so much of sex is is chemical as well um and then there's also like for me my understand my conscious understanding that like i am with a man and in whatever raw like um like animalistic terms almost that 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 means but it's I don't know so much of sex is is in our head is is yeah. kind of what I'm realizing whether it's gender or the role you play and not even like in role play but in terms of like submissive are you being penetrated are you what does that mean and like it's it's really complicated yeah yeah and then it's, it sounds like you're trying to uh, figure that out with like potentially new people as well like as you're as you're exiting and maybe searching for that. Oh, I need to get fucked. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard. I think if I I hope I'm not alone in this, but I do feel like I have been thinking for a year and a half about how I'm going to fuck other people, and now it's here, and it's like, oh God, I have I would, uh, what if they reject me? Right? What if what if what if I don't know how to do it anymore? Um, that's me peaking the levels. Yeah, uh, I I was also concerned. I I think the first thing I was concerned about was stamina. I was like, oh fuck, what's my stamina going to be like coming out of all this? Right. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh, I got to start training. Can start I get edging through again. it without crying? Like, oh. you know, I mean, there's just a lot of emotion, and I think I'm not alone in this. Like, we all have trauma in our bodies from this past year and a half. I will yell this for what feels like maybe the next couple of years um, <laughs> because it's just real. And I don't know, it, it, sex is so fragile for me right sure. now. Um, it, it, all human connection feels very fragile for me right now. Absolutely. Just a house of cards. Yeah. And then how, so how are you like, are, I mean, was that hook up when you went back into the waiver wire of like your past fucks and, and found him, the Republican. Have you been doing a lot of that? Has that been like an isolated incident? That was I mean, an like- isolated. I've been, it's been doing a lot of like texting and sending pics and stuff. And but still haven't gone to the. Yes. And at this point, I don't think I'm alone in the social anxiety because now it's not just me bailing. It, it's every, I feel like uh, people are in the same place because I now have several times been like, okay, I'm ready, come over, cleared for landing, and, and it's like to have someone flake, and yeah, yeah. and I've I've been the, I've been the flake, I've been flaked I've on, been and I've been the flake. Oh yeah, I, I'm really. I think God, do, do we don't have time to do shit we don't want to do anymore? I don't think so. So it's like, and 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 so sometimes it's like it's canceling a date with someone I didn't actually really want to go on the date with anyway, or it's someone I really want to fuck around with, but in that moment or in that afternoon, I'm realizing, you know what? I don't think I'm feeling like fucky today. Right, it right. has nothing to do with you. 
when I say I reschedule, I want to reschedule. Just right now, if you come over, I don't know that I'm going to pounce you the way I know you want to be pounced, right? right, right. It, it, it's really like I want to be intentional with as much as I'm doing um, these days, especially in my my sex and dating life. Because, like, you know, there will be a time for those first dates that, like, oh, we go on because, well, let's go. Not right now. Don't got time don't for a to. date I feel yeah. ambiguous about. Yeah, I think that's very much a good point. I, I feel that way about stand-up in comedy in general mm-hmm. right now too or just in general like i don't really want right now to do gigs that i don't want to do like i am i feel like based on my experience before pandemic once i go and i do about six weeks worth of open mics that i'll get all the bar shows and all the things and and, and get my schedule built up but right now i cannot possibly imagine like taking a uh six train up to the fucking Bronx to do some bar show at a cafe for dining patrons who did not want a who didn't know stand up show to be there tonight. So I will get that hustle back, but I feel the same way about that where it's just like, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. I know this is going to be strange to hear like a straight white man say, but it's like, I, I, I can't think of things like I really desperately need to say, on a stand-up stage in this moment. And so I'm like kind of electing not to <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know what I have? Like, I do, I have bit, I do, I have things in my mind. I want to write down first and like work out, but like, I don't have this need to just get on this, get on a microphone in front of who knows who. And just do, I'm like, I, I'm going to, I want to be intentional. Like when, yeah. when I've got the bit, I'm fucking excited to go do, I'm gonna go do it. Someone wants to book me on a show. They reach out to me and book me. I got, I got stuff I can do. I got plenty of material I can do, but I don't need to go right now and do it all. And I don't need to go hustle doing, you know, 10 plus open mics in a week to do a, just to rehearse probably mostly the same stuff I already know works or doesn't work already. Um, that feels weird to say that I'm not like out hustling the stand up stuff, but uh, think- you are say you feel after our conversation last time, feel safe to say that in front of me. I do. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I, I feel like what now that I am back in stand up after a year and a half, of not doing it right and and doing therapy and i feel like the taking the break and the doing the therapy and the meditation Mm -hmm. and the building a gym routine and like that is uh uh I got distracted by you. Uh, Sorry, I, was, I, I just heard gym tears. Like, oh, um, Jane's doing some gym routine. Uh, I, I some- do. I do CrossFit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know what? That I have been doing it for eight weeks, and I haven't tweeted about it once. So I think I'm that really is. I'm proud of you. Right? I couldn't last eight minutes. <laughs> eight minutes into my first yoga, I was like, I do yoga now. I do yoga. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, especially the meditation. I'm not going to lie. Like, So when you say, like, not doing it is, like, where I'm at right now, I think, honestly, not Doing it is sometimes what you need to do to get better mm-hmm. at it and to sit with where you're at and change your worldview. And what do you want to talk about? What do you want to say on stage? There are not enough people asking themselves that question. <laughs> no, they're just eager to get on the stage. Right. And for what? For exactly. That's what I'm saying now. Like I did one bar show. I went to Queens. I did an ambush show. That I didn't realize how much of an ambush show it was going to be. Uh, there was a <laughs> hockey game in the in the back. And apparently there's a large table. People came for the hockey game. You know, it was like, it was nice to be on the thing. It was nice to get some laughs, but it was not what I, how I wanted to spend my time. Like, I'd rather go hang out around comedy right now than do stand up until like I know what I want to say. Like, I'm also different now. I feel healthy for the first time ever in my life. I don't know how to tell some of the jokes as a healthier Billy 
that were written as an unhealthy like I don't know how to self-deprecate responsibly right now yeah. am I gonna am I gonna lose a lot of progress I had or do I have enough confidence I can do some self-deprecating stuff and I don't actually believe I don't know that so I'm just gonna like hang tight keep doing my slut show keep doing my fans only and then like you know when the when the bits are are ready like I know where that I know where to go do 10 open mics a week are it honestly I think that is the exact right attitude and i wish if i could say like i'm again 34 now if i could tell like 20 year old me anything it would be everything you just said like i started stand-up in 2009 um and i i didn't do it like hard the way i should have until like 2017 but um uh, where was I going with that? You were talking about... You wanted to tell 20-year-old James something brilliant that 32-year-old Billy Presida said. Yes, yes, I did, <laughs> I did. Um, that, like, you don't have to go hustle it all hard and, and you know, it's better to take care of yourself probably. It's, than that's that. it. That's really what it is. It's better to take care of yourself. You have to be, like, I, I think it's a total, like, lie. Oh, whatever you need to I, do. I keep trying to play with the AC. Like, can I, can't, no, I can't handle no, it. No, it's too, no, no. It's, it's so on. hot today. <laughs> if there is a low hum behind this podcast, then I need your listeners to politely get over it. It is yeah. so hot today. <laughs> we will do noise reduction five times and see if that works. Uh, but sorry. Uh, but, but you want, but, like, a, a healthier comic might actually be a funnier comic and a better comic. And not necessarily, you know, funny is different for everybody, but what I'll, what I realized this year, what I want out of this business and this life is the chance to work for as long as I want to fucking work, mm-hmm. which is long. I want to be able to do the thing, which in this case is stand up. What happened to me was I was going, doing the eight shows a week, getting up, getting up, getting up. Uh, and by the time pandemic hit, I was, I was running on fumes because stand up and the hustle and the scene and all of that had become my primary coping mechanisms. And I now know from having totally burnout out around July of 2020 and going to trauma therapy and stuff, so much of stand up um, replicates trauma in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once you get good at it or you start to like feel calm on stage it, it the reason i think for me it became like a primary coping mechanism is that it uh, artificially recreates the feeling of something traumatic because dopamine and stress and everyone's watching mm-hmm. you and but you have to train your brain to find the calm within that right yeah. which is why i think i totally latched onto it and was able to do it so hard for two years mm-hmm. but I'm not totally convinced my April 6th show was going to be good. And that's because I had burnt out my, like, creative stuff. I mean, I just, like, I had everything I'd written, sure. But I don't know that I totally had it. I don't know that I... I think I was kind of losing that sense of, like, calm within the storm. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't actually dealing with the things that I needed to deal with. Um, And now, back on stage, I feel much more, like on the stage present in the moment with the material that I have written, which are like the core things of actually doing the standup. So yeah. once if that goes away, then what the, what are you even doing with your hustle? And, you, and when I saw you, you know, a few weeks ago, you were like on nines with that. You were, you know, just oh, thank you. very present, very much like you've been on stage nonstop for years, right? Like even, you know, despite our, our collective break in a way. So it, 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 you present all that and then the jokes are fire. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, 
I do have one stand-up related question. Oh, it's yeah. it, it, this might be an annoying stand-up non-binary question, but was, oh no, yeah, I thought of this in the beginning. Then we we went into like uh, awesome things about uh, love and relationships. <laughs> um, uh, do you went your your gender your presentation? has a spectrum i've seen you in a lot of different uh outfits all fabulous but just a, <laughs> you know a, a variety of, of looks and do you ever um pair how you are going to present yourself on stage with a certain type of set list or material do you not do some jokes when you're dressed like this versus when you're in the dress and the makeup uh you know so much of that depends on how i'm gonna get to the club okay <laughs> it really does yeah. um if i um or, or a bar or wherever it is. Because if, if I know and like, because there are times where I'll be wearing like a dress that's like not actually that like fabulous, but it's just like a dress that's just like a floral like day dress or, or um, sundress or whatever. And um, if I'm at like a club I know and like I know I can get there safely or whatever, it's, it's more about like how much stress am I going to want to have to deal with on the way there mm-hmm. of people staring, of people whatever. Um, Are you in the headspace to, you know, be stared at or not? Probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then sometimes, though, there there are specific um, there are specific sets that uh, there's one joke in particular that I have about a specific dress that I wear. And I am totally guilty of, like, wearing that dress more <laughs> than I would ever actually wear in reality as, like for that joke in your um, future touring headliner uh life you have like 10 of that dress because you want to be able to wear it on yeah ex- exactly although i have tried to rectify that by coming up with some sort of self-deprecating joke about everything i wear um but i did the one about that dress is actually my favorite so i do when i find that i want to do that that what i will force that outfit on on the world yeah so it, it um and do you then when you've like done your safety and, and mental check on well, what do I feel like we're now and about today that I feel comfortable and safe, et cetera. And do you then dictate the set kind of based on that? Does it get more or less queer or? or? Um, it never gets less queer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it never it never does that. But it does uh, take on like a, a. All right. Is this like a 101 crowd or like a 201 crowd or like. Um, it's kind of like I was saying earlier where like I, I will change my material often in the room like when mm. I arrive um, and right now I have probably like 20 to 25 minutes to draw on that I feel is like in really solid shape that I you know and I'll, I'll just kind of put that in different orders sure. depending on so like I have some stuff that like if I feel the room is super straight or, or specifically not super fluent in in like the LGBTQIA community, then I have the stuff that sort of holds their hand more. Um, and kind of it's it's often just in the room. Sometimes you can walk in if you're dressed maybe in like a in a more feminine way, you can like almost see how they're reacting to you just walking in the room and then you're like, a lot of smiles? All right. Not you know, a lot yeah. of confusion. Oh, let's maybe do these things instead. I learn it's it's easier to tell based on how they're reacting to like the opener or something like that. Yeah. Or like what other kinds of jokes the other people are telling, so that if um, you know, someone says something so a little homophobic and sure. that does well, it's like, all right, I need this to type of, yeah. I gotta really <laughs> address this head on. Um, it's it's another thing I think a lot of comics who might uh like just don't think about I because I don't have to think about that. 
Like the most I have to do is like, okay, am I going to do weight stuff? Well, how do I look? Do I look dumpy and this is going to make yeah, sense? Yeah. Or do I have to be like, no, I lost. But now it's, you know, I always looking dumpy because, uh, no, you know, you COVID don't. weights stop. Uh, there are certain, <laughs> certain shirts look better. <laughs> There's some t-shirts that were, are now weight loss goals again. <laughs> great, great. You know what I mean? It's like. Mm. If flesh, that's just having a body <laughs> and being over 30. But like other than that, like I never have to think about how my what's the context of me in this room, right? Because, like, I'm, like, the the Sims character default context. In a way, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I when I did, I was in Amsterdam. Once I did show there, I'm up in the green room. And in Amsterdam, uh, they all speak English and Dutch. For the most part, everyone speaks it pretty, like, you you know, you can interchange. So the comics up there, they're all speaking English to kind of each other, speaking English to me. And they say, oh, we wish we'd known there was going to be American on the show. We would have prepared some of our set in English. And that's when I thought, oh, my God, you have to, like, prepare. You can't just, like, oh, I'll just tell that joke in English or in Dutch now. Yeah, they have to actually yeah. prepare the set list, which jokes they can tell in which language. Some of them you can't do them in both. Some have different references or turns of phrases, right? So they have to actually, like, so if you're a non, if you're a, a multilingual comic, who also can speak English, right? It's like, you really are preparing. I don't have to do that. I get to do the thing where you just walk in, look the room, see how they react to the, the headline and stuff. But I never thought about like, what what language are you speaking? What um, like national cultural references can we do? What am I, how am I presenting? How are they taking me in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the most I can relate to that is like, do they think I'm, I'm one of those guys? Or not, right. you know, yeah. I mean, like that's about uh, well, it. Well, that's real, though, so, too. I mean, right. that is definitely, um, you know, like you were talking about being in Indiana, I'm sure, versus like if you were doing a Pride show. I do think that is actually... I got to um, throw those genderqueer jokes out early, let them know I know about that. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I think especially if you ever did a Pride show, you would have to, like, clarify, like, I'm not a, I'm not a bully. I'm not going <laughs> to, unless you want, you know, but... They beat me up too. I swear. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. But, but so yeah, no, I, I I thought of that um, when we were at that show. I was just like, oh, I wonder, like, oh, like if James dresses more like this, or dress James just wears jeans and a t shirt. Like, if if the set changes, and and I guess that's um, you know, that's just a whole another mental process to go through as a comic. I know? will say there are some jokes that I have that do seem to just rely on me being in a dress because it. Um, I shouldn't say that even. There's a joke I make about a man in a dress that doesn't seem to... I'm trying to figure out how to make it work without me being in a dress. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing, though, I just thought of that I realize I'm still doing it. I, I've been trying to find material that is just aiming for like what I find to be illogical or unreasonable about aspects of our society, right? Like Just like kind of, I think, the baseline assignment for observational <laughs> material. Um and even within that, like, I have something about, like, you know, why does the news cost money on the internet? Uh, and even within that, I can feel, like, last night, there was this, like, portion of the room that felt very, no offense, but bridge and tunnel, Long Island, heterosexual suburb folk. Mm -hmm. And I'm My there, cousins. Uh, right, yeah, <laughs> my cousins. Um, and I'm there in my jumpsuit, my lipstick, and, you know... I, even within that bit, as I go to complain about the news, I preface that. I just realized I preface that with like, now we all know that I'm like a PC faggot or whatever, yeah. right? Just to like break that because I feel like those people would not even listen to me do observational material about something like the news without acknowledging even though I'm, it's not political what I say about the news. It, yeah. The news shouldn't cost money. Like, that's literally the point of the joke. Anyone can agree with that. And I feel like if I don't do that, like, you know, I know we maybe don't see eye to eye. 
but this thing. Um, yeah. So even within, I just realized. Even I mean, that's comedy. He's making yeah. people laugh at things that they, you know, maybe would but disagree. But Jerry Seinfeld doesn't have to go out there and be like, you know that I'm this, but how about airplanes? Sure. Right? He can just say, how about airplanes? Fair, fair. I you, still don't you feel d- like I can do that. You feel like you can't just talk about airplanes without addressing. Without in some that. way acknowledging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, because and, and it's because of I don't trust the audience to not just just go there with me. Just uh. just, you know, it sucks that the news costs money. Right. But I truly think and it might be I'm my squeezing own. my pen every time you say that, by the way, what? <laughs> because we disagree on that, which we don't have to get into. I do squeeze my hand every time you say the news shouldn't cost money. I go like, oh, gosh, there's so many like reasons. I feel like we need to change the entire environment of like how it's OK. We need to change the we, financial incentive systems. But that's a conversation. From there. <laughs> the problem is disinformation is yes, free. Fox yes, News sadly. is free. Yeah. You can get, you know, um, so it is very frustrating that I like yeah. tried to look at, I think, the something about the mural results in New York yeah. the other day. And I couldn't fucking access it um but but when you you say you don't trust the audience i mean is part of that you look at society and say like when society starts getting more on board with this type of idea you know then okay cool now i I might give the audience more good faith in the beginning or maybe once i'm working you know maybe if i make it to that level where i've got specials and the audience and the audience is my audience i don't have to do that as much but naturally that's the goal you know while i'm in um these this part of my career where it's all kind of mixed rooms. Um, yeah, it just, it definitely just is room to room. Well, I feel like you're, you're going to be in that place. One of these days, you're going to have the specials, you're going to have your people. You're, uh, like you're really, fu- you're just, you're really funny. And you're also Thank very, you. you, you know, you're unique. Uh, you, you know, you're not like the standard person, someone who goes on stages, which is my way of saying like, yeah, you're, you're not, but you have all these, uh, you have all these identity markers that are just like really yours and your own, your life is your own. Thanks. And or I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Well, that's don't do kind that. Of what I've learned about, but that's what pandemic has done to me. By the way, in yeah. terms of like how I feel like I'm permanently traumatized, it's like, yeah, I thank you. That's very sweet. Oh. The idea of a well, five-year plan. What I was trying to, get, was trying to say right was like now. you're very marketable. That was what I was trying oh, to I mean, get. I'll at. take that. Someone. <laughs> Is very funny there, and very marketable. Special. Um, <laughs> Did you want to do, throw your plugs out real quick? Oh, yeah. I'm James Tyson on everything. T-I-S-O-N. TikTok, Insta, um, mm. Twitter. All right. Before you go pee, um, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? <laughs> goodbye, everybody. I hope that my opinions didn't alienate everybody. <laughs> okay, now go into your bladder. Thank you. Thank okay, you. Okay, bye. <laughs> Folks, Man Whore Con is upon us. It's coming up soon, August 12th through 15th in upstate New York. Fan whores from across the country. Sorry, Canada. Your border situation's still funky. Uh, but, but fan whores from across the country, we're coming together and we're going to have a long ass weekend hanging out and partying with each other. It's going to be awesome. And we still have one room open it is a room with two queen size beds. So you need two parties to reserve it. I want to give it to you. Shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com if you'd like to reserve it or if you have any questions. Um, speaking of manwhorecon, we just opened up a manwhorecon channel in the champagne room on Discord. Yep. 
If you've ever been to a Manhorcon, if you're going to Manhorcon, if you're just curious and you want to uh, observe the conversations about Manhorcon, that is available there, as well as a channel for uh, episode discussions. What did you think about James Tyson? What did you think of our conversation? How can you relate to communication styles with your partner locked down during COVID? Maybe come on by and share with us like, some major events and difficulties y'all had to work through and how you did that. You can do that in the champagne room as well as share cute pictures of your puppies in the Pets 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 channel. Introduce yourself today at manhorpod.com slash discord. Want to shout us out more publicly? Feel so ecstatic about this week's episode? Uh, shout both me and James out publicly and tag us on the social media. I got a link and handles for both me and James in the show notes of this episode. I, you know, I don't make this request terribly often, but if you're an Apple podcast user or if you're just, you have an iPhone. Because if you have an iPhone, you have the Apple Podcast app. Even if you don't use the Apple Podcast app, it would mean so much to me if you'd like briefly go open that Apple Podcast app, search for the Manhole Podcast, leave it five stars. This is not just for vanity, it actually helps with the search engine juice. Even more so, by the way, if you take, you know, the 20, 30 seconds to leave me a kind little review uh, down there for other people to read. Last but certainly not least, no, not the OnlyFans, there's a you know, link of, for that in the show notes, but the Pepsi Challenge is looking more and more like a reality to the point that I I believe we are going to be recording the Pepsi Challenge on July 17th here in Brooklyn, New York, and we're still seeking a couple more independent variable suckers. Yes, yes, yes. If you if you are a, a lady identifying person, if you are a, a fairly femme human being, and you'd like to suck a dick for a couple minutes before talking about it on mic... As part of like a bonding experience with some other gals uh, crowded around trying to trying to confuse a blindfolded boy, uh, hit me up. Uh, we, I, I'll have some screener questions. I'll answer your questions. Should be fun. And yes, you can be anonymous. Hit me up, everybody. Read articles on things. Put in the work and stay slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout.